The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about melatonin. Definitely the most underappreciated hormone we have. I don't know. That's a big claim. What, you're going to tell me sleep is, like, important? I'm standing by it. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Are you sure it should even be here? No, I shouldn't I feel be like here. we have you propped up. Like we can, At we some can point, you have to show up to life. Yikes. Michael Chapman. You have to show up to Bad life. Bad luck. Bad luck. It's not good. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. How are you today? Oh. <laughs> Great, Patty. For those of you who are questioning, Michael Chapman's been quite sick for the past several days, so we're starting to rally him up today. Look. If you want to lose 16 pounds in two days, listen, listen I got I got a <laughs> remedy for you. It's called the norovirus. I don't know where to get it except for my house, apparently. Which needs an exorcism. That's a joke. Don't do that. That's not a health recommendation. No, no, no. Anyway. Well, I'm glad you're back and at least you're upright and you've agreed to try to record a podcast. I'm today. here, man. I know. And speaking of here, you're here at the Lab Report. It's a podcast. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you, Genova. Look, I can even do uh, that. And uh, it's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, which sounds really funny coming out of my mouth right now because I've been <laughs> sick for all of 2023. <laughs> that is actually true. So maybe you should start listening to this podcast, Michael, about optimal health and wellness. I heard and, it's good. And I then probably pick up some tips. <laughs> once you check in and you like the show, maybe go to iTunes or Spotify, perhaps subscribe, follow the show, leave us some likes, some reviews. That would be super awesome. Yeah, you can go ahead and do those things. You can also do a thing called email us if mm -hmm. you've got additional feedback and you want to send it to podcast at gdx.net. We have been receiving your feedback, and I appreciate all of the questions of the day. That's Aww, um, We love those. Yeah. That's great. So enough shenaniganizing Patty Devers. <laughs> I don't have the energy for it. Um, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about melatonin, which is a hormone that we haven't really touched on yet, but it's so uber important, and I'm really excited to dive into this today. Yeah, I, I, melatonin's great because I think a lot of us in the functional medicine community have a superficial understanding of melatonin. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's sort of sure. like, hey, you got sleep problems? Take some melatonin. Bada boom, bada bing. Mm -hmm. And we don't, A, I think a lot of us don't even really lump it in when we think of hormone evaluation. We don't Agreed. think of it like Agreed. as a hormone top to bottom. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is like, what what else? Like, where does it make... We don't do the same thing we do with, like, estrogen, right? Estrogen, we're like, here's the steroidogenic pathway. It goes from progesterone and goes through here. And, like, we ha we know the whole thing. Do we do that with melatonin? We don't, but we no. should. We totally should. We totally should, it's because it's Because it's like, yeah, it's... It, A, what is it good for? Sleep. Right. And then what? It's good for so many other things. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's just start with what you just said, because we know melatonin is made in your pineal gland... In your brain, but you just said it. it's also made other places. It is like your eyes, your brain, your skin, the GI tract, bone marrow. I think this is the first time we've brought up the pineal gland on the show. Is that mm -hmm. true? Probably. Actually, we've done HPA axis. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Podcasts before, but not 
specifically as a gland. But it's the pineal gland that was like the seed of the soul, right? Yes. Back in the origin time. Like, Uh so they used to think, think about that. Like this hormone Mm -hmm. that is made primarily in, primarily, right? I mean, primarily in the pineal gland is the same place where they thought the soul resided. Whoa. So you think this is important? I think it's important. Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. You were talking about the pineal gland. Okay, so melatonin is made in your pineal gland in your brain, but you just said it's made in a lot of other places too. And I think what should be noted is that although it's made in all of these other places, those locations don't really significantly contribute to systemic levels. It actually exerts important local effects. In fact, what does that mean? If you remove someone's pineal gland, their systemic levels of melatonin go to nil, but you could still make melatonin in your GI tract and it exerts lo- local effects just in the microbiome and in your GI tract. It might be because I'm sick, but I have so many questions. Go ahead. What do you mean about systemic effects, local effects, things being made one place or another? I don't understand. I mean, are you saying, so like, we know the pineal gland, we are talking about that, seed of the soul, gong hit, remember that. So that, so melatonin is made there, but that melatonin only acts there or that goes into your whole body? And conversely, you said that some melatonin is made in your GI tract. You're saying that only works in the GI tract and doesn't go to your brain? Like, what? what's, what's the truth here? Okay, so melatonin is synthesized in your pineal gl- gland in your brain. It's unable to store it, so it goes into systemic circulation, Whoa. metabolizes, and is excreted. It can't store it? No. It doesn't have a pineal it bladder? It does not. But in your GI tract, you know, it can exert local effects, but it can't make its way to the brain. I guess is the best way to say it. Okay, so it can go out, but it can't come back mm-hmm. in from the gut. Okay, so I think this is kind of interesting because it alludes to the function of melatonin, I think. Because what what you would expect is that, okay, well, if the gut is making melatonin and it's not going into your circulation, then it's not contributing to its impact on sleep, right? No. So... There's got to be some other important thing that melatonin is doing, especially as it relates to the GI tract. Otherwise, why make it? All right. All right. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. because We do that. Melatonin. Look, it's exciting. I know. It's exciting. I know. It's made in a bunch of different places and has effects in all of those places. But let's start with how we all know melatonin, its use in the brain and what it does in the brain with sleep cycles. So let's start there. Let's just break this down and start with the brain. Yeah, let's break it down. I got something for that. It's time to break, break it, it down. down. Like my body's body breaking down. down. All right, Patty, where do we start here? I'm going to take it all the way back. What? I'm starting with tryptophan, right? Think turkey. Wow. Essential amino acid. So wow. you eat tryptophan, it gets broken down and absorbed in your GI tract, goes into circulation, bound to albumin, goes across the blood-brain barrier, and then the pineal gland takes that tryptophan, okay. converts it to serotonin, and then to melatonin via some methylation reaction. So methylation's important. Okay, I gotcha. So... One of the reasons or one option for people who want to help sleep, they actually will take tryptophan, right? See? And mm-hmm. so that's one of the, the, the connecting points there. Okay, so what do you mean methylation reaction? What does it have to do with the methylation reaction? Some some sort of one of these conversions from tryptophan into melatonin requires methylation. That's right. So that's a whole other topic that you could go back and listen oh, to podcasts gosh, on. Yeah. Man. Okay, we're then, really covering. Okay, but then now you have this melatonin being made in your pineal gland. Now what, Michael? What does melatonin do in the brain as it relates to physiology? 
Okay, well, you got this crazy part of your brain. Mm-hmm. It's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Not important. Don't remember it. But what happens is light will hit this thing, right? And when light hits it, it causes the secretion of GABA, the neurotransmitter, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. And so GABA actually inhibits the production of melatonin. So you said the pineal gland makes melatonin. Well, it doesn't make it when there's GABA around. Or when there's right? light. Or when there's light. Right. Very good. <laughs> um, and so the other thing is that if GABA is not around, i.e. darkness, uh, then it's actually the catecholamine norepinephrine that triggers the pineal gland to produce melatonin. How crazy is that, right? A catecholamine, you wouldn't think about that. Mm. But that's what happens. And so basically, that's how we regulate our day and night cycle based on signals from light. It's through GABA. By the way, a GABA agonist, alcohol. You ever had some alcohol in the evening, had a hard time sleeping? Yep. Mm-hmm. Or do you sleep with a screen on or a light on or are you using your <sighs> laptop or your, your phone right before you go to bed? You're messing You're up that light fool. signal. That's right. Do you think that really can impact melatonin? Mm-hmm. For sure. Sleeping with the TV on? Yeah, light. I guess that's why we use a light box in the morning. All right. So we got... Patty. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about babies? I would love to talk about babies. Babies are cool, right? Babies are awesome. You know it's not cool? What? They don't sleep. Yeah. You know part of the reason? Why? So when babies are born, it, their levels of melatonin are basically undetectable. Like Makes sense. The only source of melatonin in babies is from mom derived through Correct. the placenta, right? Yeah. So basically you, you cut that off, you cut that supply off, guess what? They're not sleeping. They're totally not sleeping. And that's why, like, the first, like, three days, they give you this lull where you're like, oh, dude, I slept through the night, like, three days. This is the best baby. And then day four, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Surprise. Get, welcome to your next 14 years of your life. But then what? When do they start to get a normal rhythm? Is I it- assume it's in teenage years because no. basically that's when you can't wake them up ever. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because, you know, after a couple of months, the babies are alive. They start to increase slowly. And then in pre-puberty, they start to peak. And it actually plays a role in some of the tanner stages of development in teenagers. Interesting. But then it starts Not to decline. Not just the moodiness? No. So I'll tell you that what you just said is actually true because it starts to peak in those teenage years which is these things i say will not be false patty (laughs) they're teenagers they don't wake up it has to have something to do with hormones certainly does so i just thought you should know that about babies it's important but you know what else is interesting you mentioned that super chiasmatic nucleus what they call the clock or you know that that part of your hypothalamus i just told people i just told everyone not to remember what well it's important i just i'm going to put it out there the super chiasmatic nucleus it's important you just to want know. to keep saying it. Listen, you were talking we about... We get it, Patty. You're smart. You were talking about the light signaling that happens. But then you might ask yourself, what about people who are blind, who don't have any light perception? Yes. How does I do that work? I do ask myself that. Yeah. Well, interestingly... How does that work? That suprachiasmatic nucleus itself does continue to generate this rhythmic output, and it kind of works as like an endogenous, endogenous oscillator, like a, a master pacemaker, a clock. So there's still a rhythm. It starts to regulate itself. But not as well as it would with light and dark. It's hmm. a little bit different. Interesting. Um, yeah. So they have the, they have their own 24-hour cycle, but it's not the same as light-dark signal. That's crazy. It makes me think of the, the hypothalamus you know, as it releases LH and FSH, mm-hmm. and it does that sort of pulsation action. It makes me wonder, like... What is the capacity of a lot of these hormones to develop their own mm. oscillation, pulsation system? That's really fascinating. Hormones are all signaling, right? It's so ex- it's so interesting. It's fascinating stuff. I've got a question. All right. Um, so, like, melatonin helps you sleep, right? That's what we're talking about. Uh huh. How does it do that? Like, what? Yeah. I don't. I've never even read this. I've never seen this anywhere. Like, 
It's just sort of connected one to one in people's brains and Such even in the research. Yeah. What does it do? Well, some would argue that it doesn't actually make you sleep, but when the melatonin levels rise, it puts you into this quiet wakefulness that helps promote sleep because it decreases your body temperature and your blood pressure, and it loops back to that suprachiasmatic nucleus and slows down neuronal firing, which prepares your body for sleep. But then that begs the question, Yeah, okay, so what, what makes you, you just sleep? said is that <laughs> melatonin doesn't help you sleep. It helps put you into wakefulness. Quiet, quiet wakefulness. <laughs> and it prepares you for sleep. But then what is sleep? What <laughs> makes you, you say, sleep? So we, we don't, we're, we're, we're here. We don't, we're asking we're the question, here. what is sleep? I only have one answer for that. Go. I mean, have we not had a podcast on sleep? No, we've not. I think we have an idea for a podcast. To be completely honest, I've invited several sleep experts, none of which are available. I, That's because the, no one knows what sleep is. <laughs> that might be That's, it. They're like, oh, yeah, come I on. I literally have reached out. I'm going to say at least four or five different sleep experts <laughs> over the past three years. It's such a good They're point. still trying to figure out what sleep <laughs> is. I'm too busy. I, I, so... Let's get back to melatonin, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things before we move on, because I know there's other things about melatonin that we should be talking about. We've been spending a lot of time on sleep. It's what people know. Yeah. However, that being said, there are some groups of people that have issues with circadian rhythm overall regulation. I was a night shifter. There you go. So that's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Your circadian rhythm is going to be disturbed with different shift workers. And so one of the major complaints with that is going to be fatigue, sleep disturbance, and even GI problems. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But that's because your day-night is all wonkadoodle, and that is Mm -hmm. a scientific term. But (laughs) what we also will see from time to time is similar, not similar, air travelers, right? So we think of, like, jet lag. Right. um, Where, again, your day-night system has... I feel great. Your day-night system uh, has been impaired, which leads to fatigue, sleepiness, irritability, irritability, apathy, irritability, digestive upsets, memory lapses, lack of concentration, irritability, impaired judgment, and decision-making problems, right? So that's classic jet lag. It points a finger at just how many different things can be affected by melatonin and sleep. Okay. Now, the sleep part, super important day, night, super important. I tell you. But this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to melatonin. There's so many important systemic effects to melatonin. And I just want to talk about how we talked that the pineal gland doesn't have any type of storage. You said there's no bladder, I believe is the word you used. Pineal bladder, yeah. Right. And so we know that at least the pineal gland goes into circulation. And one of the most important things melatonin is known for is being an antioxidant and a free radical scavenger. And we know about free radicals. You know, they're involved in a lot of diseases, aging, all of those things. Just look at the 60s, man. They're all over the place. <laughs> Good one. But when melatonin is in your circulation, it, it's a free radical scavenger. It stimulates antioxidant enzymes and increases the, the level of several of those, like superoxide dismutase, glutathione peroxidase. But what's important is it's actually even more effective of an antioxidant as glutathione, like four times more um, effective as uh, a scavenger than glutathione and twice as active here. as vitamin E. And How so is that possible? It's so important. Okay, so you're telling me that melatonin is that much more powerful than glutathione. We always talk about glutathione being the body's major mm-hmm. antioxidant. It's the body's most prominent antioxidant. Is that just because it's in higher concentration compared to melatonin? Likely. Oh. Likely, yeah. 
So, but but actual like lifting weight. Ooh. Melatonin is is a heavier hitter. Correct. And heavier than vitamin E, which we also think what? of as a pretty big antioxidant. So, but it's you, just melatonin. But you can see where this might have an important role in like preventing diseases and helping with healthier aging. But again, like I said, we're only at the tip of the iceberg. What are some other places systemically that melatonin has an effect, Michael? Uh, well, given the last three or four days of my life, I'm naturally going to head right to the GI tract. Smart. Uh, so melatonin is actually made in the GI tract, not even by our mi- microbiome, by our enterochromophin cells. I feel great. And uh, these enterochromophin cells, actually, they take up serotonin or they take up tryptophan and they can convert the tryptophan into serotonin. That's one of the main things that they're responsible for. Serotonin in the gut obviously creates motility, Mm -hmm. stimulates peristalsis, all these sort of things. But the serotonin can also be converted into melatonin. Um, This is independent from pineal synthesis because... Basically, the melatonin that's made there does not go into any sort of systemic circulation. Although I have to say, whenever I hear that, hmm. I'm a little suspicious. Yeah, how do they know? Like, and, and how many times have we been like, well, that doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier? Five years later, it's like, oh, it turns out it crosses Oops. the blood-brain barrier. True. It's more complicated than we thought. And so, right. you know, I, I think Fair. it might be safe to say that it doesn't contribute at any significant level in, compared to the pineal gland. But again, that's what we think at the moment. Um, but in the GI tract, it's important in regulating, it's, it helps with anti- antioxidant, as an antioxidant, prevents mm-hmm. oxidative damage. So uh, it helps in uh, reducing damage influenced by like reflux, pancreatitis, ulcers, uh, but just generally kind of regulating overall inflammatory and oxidative processes. Yeah, yeah. The other place I think about it, I mean, just like you just said, antioxidant effects helpful in the GI tract, antioxidant in aging and other diseases. And so that brings me to things like neurologic diseases or neurodegenerative diseases, things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease. You know, melatonin actually, because it's an antioxidant, helps with anything that's degenerative, right? Like a neurodegenerative disorder and cognitive function and memory. So a lot of people are showing a lot of promising um, effects using melatonin as a neuroprotective agent. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, if it's that powerful of an antioxidant, mm-hmm. then you would imagine it probably has a lot of potential in some of our biggest chronic diseases, right? Yeah, Which yeah. would be cancer and cardiovascular disease. And and lo and behold, there is a ton of research on both of those conditions. So with respect to neoplastic disease, we've got tons of mechanisms of action of melatonin, including antiprolific. I feel great. Anti-proliferative <laughs> actions, immunostimulatory effects. This is hard. But but basically, I mean, it's been used a lot, and you can see high-dose melatonin in, like, the 20-milligram range has been used uh, a ton and is, is very common within uh, oncological practice. And so with respect to cardiovascular disease, again, melatonin being a strong antioxidant, uh, we at this point, cardiovascular disease, we're very familiar with it being kind of linked to inflammation and oxidative stress, react- reactive oxygen species. So the, the more that you can mitigate that, you're going to decrease the potential of endothelial dysfunction, reduce inflammation. Uh, so there you go. There's, there's a lot of, up, of, of evidence out there on using melatonin in these conditions as well. I just want to touch on one other thing as it relates to melatonin, because it's a hormone. And on this right, podcast. That's so weird, right? I, know. I mean, it's, it's like here we are talking about it with respect to like vitamin C, glutathione, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it's a hormone. Right. But as we've discussed several times on this podcast, 
hormones don't live in isolation. They all interact with each other. So I think it's important to talk about melatonin and how it interacts with other hormones. And the one that comes to mind most readily for me is how it relates to things like cortisol. Because if you think about it, at night when you go to sleep, your cortisol is at its lowest and it starts mm-hmm. to rise through the night. Whereas this I mean, is, if you're normal. Right. <laughs> whereas it's your family's of, not puking and barfing <laughs> everywhere. It's kind of opposite with melatonin, which rises in the dark phases. And so some people think of melatonin as kind of like an endogenous pacemaker for the adrenal glands. But there's also some effects as it relates to the reproductive system. And, and it there's a circadian rhythm to some of the secretion of some of the reproductive hormones as mm. well. And so you always think about other gynecological, not only you know, the regular cycles, but other disorders where something that has this high of an antioxidant property would also be important. So just putting that out there as well. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, something that has the power, um, not only in the fact that it's a hormone, which Mm -hmm. means it has sort of reach. Right. (laughs) It's got broad reach. It does. It does. And it's as powerful as it is. uh, It naturally is going to have impacts on basically probably every system. All right. I want to touch. Is that too much of an overstatement? No, I think that's great. By the way, it's true. Melatonin is the most important chemical in the body. <laughs> I think we got there. Well, begs this question: Should we all be taking it? And and what's the difference between taking synth- synthetic melatonin versus the physiologic doses? And how different are those dose ranges? I have no idea. I'll say this: clinically, when I've used melatonin mm-hmm. personally and with patients, um, it's almost like one of those things where there's there's interpersonal tolerance. I find. Okay. Um, where some people are going to be super, super sensitive to melatonin and some people are very much not sensitive to melatonin. Um, so, for instance, I've had patients that one milligram is is all they need mm-hmm. um, or even less than a milligram. That's very, very common. Uh, three milligrams, I think, probably is what a lot of people take. That's a very common dose that's available over the counter. Uh, three milligrams, however, can make a lot of people feel super drowsy in the morning and has the capacity to give some pretty interesting dreams. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that. The physiological ranges, I mean, just your pineal gland, just making melatonin, it reaches the same physiologic level by taking 0.1 to 0.3 milligrams of melatonin. Not a lot. And then when you go up as high as 1 to 10, I mean, that can raise your melatonin levels from anywhere from 30 to 60-fold. But So that's taking it and then measuring it systemically. Correct. Versus, okay, that's not like no. we've... we've Okay, so that's taking into account the first pass effect in the liver. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that being said, it's ordinarily safe. And to your point, there are some side effects. People can get you know, fatigued or sleepy and drowsy in the morning. Hard to wake up, I think is probably the most common thing and a sign that maybe you should back down the dose a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But it it almost seems like when people are taking very high dose, like the 20 milligram dose, I I actually don't see as much of that uh, drowsiness issue show up. So, And I wonder if it's because they're taking it for those reasons and it's just being used as an antioxidant and and really not having the same effect. Well, it has a very short half-life too. Fair. Right, a lot yes, of times they're does. not taking before bed. Good point. So, good point. Um, but wait a minute. I mean, if somebody's taking this and we're measuring it systemically, I thought I thought it doesn't get past the GI tract. It stays local and doesn't enter systemic circulation. So how is it? How are you taking it and it's getting into your system? They just you just said it doesn't do that. Oh, Travis, perfect timing. I, I mean, I told you they were wrong about listen, that entering listen, systemic circulation. We'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a sleep in. What time is it? Oh, you know what time it is. 
Genius. That's I feel like genius. we needed to pick me up. Okay, well, the question of the day. So Can't wait. I know we measure melatonin here at Genova on the comprehensive melatonin profile, which is the circadian rhythm of melatonin. It's also part of the adrenal cortex stress profile, sure. is part of the one-day hormone check, the rhythm plus. But I'm asking this question, Michael, as it relates not to hormone profiles, but to our nutritional profiles, like the Nutraval or the metabolomics. Mm. If someone's taking melatonin, uh-huh. would we see a reflection anywhere on something like, you know, the neutral or metabolomics? Uh, okay, that's a good question. So uh, there's a couple places where we we talked about melatonin impacting or being part of the tryptophan metabolic pathway right. in some way, shape, or form. It's sure. actually a downstream product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some question marks that have come up with respect to whether on, like, say, the organic acid section, you might see an elevation in the 5-hydroxyindoleacetic acid, which is our typically our serotonin marker. Um, and not a lot of research has been done on that. Obviously, that's kind of a niche question. But one thing I wonder about is, given the fact that this is a product of methylation, right? Correct. So I would be looking to see whether how methylation is going with respect to the front page of the NutraVal. But I would also, I would wonder... Um, if in the case of, think about it this way, tryptophan, as we said, is turned into serotonin by the enterochromaffin cells in the GI tract. And so we know that motility issues can be caused by high levels of serotonin in the gut, Mm -hmm. which I, I, now I'm thinking, is there a methylation problem that could be at the bottom of some sort of overproduction or higher levels of serotonin, i.e. 5-hydroxyindoleacetic acid on the test mm. because it's not being metabolized appropriately into melatonin. And it's is that bidirectional, right? If yeah. somebody's not getting enough sleep, could it be that this serotonin that's naturally being produced in the GI tract or if just in general, like I said, they have methylation problems, that's leading to a high level of this in the urine. Now, if somebody's taking melatonin, which is a little bit different, um, we have talked about how is there some sort of impact on that pathway by high, having a high level of the end product, mm-hmm. which is the, you always make fun of me for saying that the michaelis menten reaction, <laughs> yes, which is yes, basically yes. all reactions are governed by the proportion of the substrate versus the, the end product. Mm-hmm. So yep. um, I think it's, I think it's biochemically possible for taking melatonin to lead to a higher level of 5-hydroxyindoleacetic acid. Have we seen it? Do you see it clinically on the test when you review reports with clinicians? That's always a hard thing, right? Because yeah. we've seen so many of these, and it's like, how much is that as observation yes. bias? Because sure. my natural inclination was like, yes. Right. But then I'm like, <laughs> am I seeing that? Because I, every time I find out someone's taking melatonin and I mm-hmm. look for it and I see it, it's like, it's, I don't know. I just want to say this one last thing because people are always saying, do I need to stop my supplements? As it relates to melatonin, the problem with melatonin is that it is both lipophilic and hydrophilic. So Mm. some of it is water soluble. Some of it is fat soluble and gets stored in various places and cell membranes and, you know, adiposity places in your body. So it could still have longer lasting effects as well. And that makes sense with respect to how often we'll see people who take melatonin will have a high level of melatonin on their salivary test. Mm -hmm. And we're always like, or, or, you know, the, it's known out there that melatonin does have a quick half-life, a short half-life, but if it has that lipophilic p- proponent that yes. has storage capacity, mm-hmm. that would explain it, right? Because it's 
we oftentimes think, well, we shouldn't see it, you know, after a couple of days of not taking it because the half-life is so short. Oh, no. But that's not necessarily the case. Well, I think it's clear that we can talk about melatonin for days and probably should. And should or probably nights. Di- <laughs> <laughs> should probably dive a little bit deeper and get a sleep expert. Yeah, we should know what sleep is. Next time on The Lab Report, Dr. Akil Palanatami. We're going to talk autoimmunity and the Tiger Protocol. The Tiger Protocol sounds awesome. I want to do it just to do it. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do it. Can't be worse than what I'm doing right now. (laughs) You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Seriously, Seriously. at at lunch, you and I are going to the hydrate place. I'm going to get you some IV fluids, some IV antioxidants, some nutrients, some minerals. I mean, you're not looking all that great over there, Michael. Not going to lie. I mean, still adorable, but near death. Patty. Given this year so far, I don't need fluids. I need an exorcism yeah. for my house <laughs> because this is, it's like not even understandable the yeah. rate of, of viruses. They're after me. You've and I don't know, I don't know who or what entity I upset. I think you summoned one. I think you summoned a, a demon entity. It's like a poltergeist. Something's happening there. And it's, it's like a prankster one because I was just saying the other day, I was like, look, there can't be any other viruses that uh-huh. I have not encountered yet. And then it was like, GI bug. <laughs> it's like, hold my beer. Exactly. <laughs>